You may be seated. Our Old Testament reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 30. He will bring you to the land that belonged to your fathers, and you will take possession of it. He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will be certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing, the Jordan, to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the word of the Lord. And I've got a little show and tell for you to start with. And if you've ever been fishing, you probably know what this is. This is called a what? It's a sinker, right? It's a sinker. And is it below the water or on top of the water? Below. And it pulls everything down, your, your bait, your hook. And sometimes that's good. A lot of times it bounces on the bottom. Uh, so a sinker. The other thing I want to show you is this. What's this? That's right. This is a bobber. And where does it live? It lives on top of the water, right? And uh, if, it's, uh, if it's not too much weight underneath, it holds everything up, right? It, uh, it uh, lives above the water, uh, above the, the murkiness and the dirtiness of some of our lakes here in Indiana, especially. Uh, and so it's on top. Well, I would posit to you today that we're more like the bobber. That by God's grace, we live not beneath the world and where there's sin and where the muck and the mire of, of, of Satan and, and, and sin and death is. But God has, because of the life that we have, he has enabled us and blessed us to live without fear, to live on top of things, to experience life in all of its fullness. And that really comes through today in our text, which comes from Deuteronomy chapter 30. A little bit of background. This is Moses' last speech for the children of Israel before they enter into the promised land. And of course, Moses was told that he would not be going. And so this is the last time that he's talking to them. And so he's giving them the last bit of advice. Moses was the one who led them out of captivity in Egypt through the Red Sea. He was the one who led them as God gave them water and and manna and quail. And uh, he was the one that dealt with the disobedience of God's people so that they had to take another lap. For 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. And so Moses is speaking to them, and he's talking about life. Life not below the surface. Life not bogged down with with sin, but a life that is free through the grace of God that we have, especially in Jesus Christ. Well, in order for that to happen, in order to experience real life, Moses says that it has to start with your heart. And in verse 6, you heard this. It said, the Lord, what will he do for your heart? The Lord will circumcise your heart. 
Now, I don't usually like to talk about circumcision in mixed company, okay? But this is a different kind. We're talking about cutting the heart open, exposing our hearts to God and His grace and His will and His ways. We're talking about cutting the heart open so that our pride, which we often bottle up inside of us, that makes us think that we can do our own thing, that we can call our own shots, that we don't need anybody's help, that we can do life on our own. That has to happen. God says, I, I need to first circumcise your hearts in order for you to be able to have and to choose life. You know, in the Bible, your heart is seen as the control center of your life. Your heart essentially is you. It controls your feelings. It controls your thoughts your actions. And so God comes to render our hearts. And the Lord knows that we need it. For the children of Israel, their hearts were not always open to God and his ways. Even though God had done all those things for them and had blessed them in so many ways, oftentimes, what did they do? They looked around and they saw instead of what they had with all their blessings, they focused on what they didn't have. And they started to complain. And they started to grumble. And as a result, they started to look for other gods, and they worshipped a golden calf, and they started worshipping the gods of, of the foreigners. They thought they'd have a better deal with some other god, even though it was God who provided for them and, and gave them freedom and did everything for them. And so the children of Israel were, a lot of times, like, like the sinker, and they lived below the surface of God's peace and his love. Well... The same thing happens for us, too, if we're honest with ourselves. Sometimes we live the life of a sinker, too. And the hard shell of our pride keeps God out and his love and his grace and his direction and meaning for our lives, and it keeps within us that sense that I can do it all by myself. One of the best examples in sports that I, that I came up with is Tiger Woods. Some of you know that I enjoy golf, and Tiger Woods for years was the best golfer in all the world before he started to make some bad choices. And sure enough, the result of his choices was, was disastrous for him. He lost his, his marriage. He lost his family. He lost millions of dollars in uh, corporate sponsorship. He lost his golf game. He was, not, he was injured most of the time, and he was not able to play. Now, this year he made a comeback and won the Masters. But when he, was, when he lost it all, finally it came to him that he had made a mistake. And he was forced to have a television apology. And listen to what he said in that interview. He said, I knew my actions were wrong, but I convinced myself that the normal rules did not apply to me. I thought I could get away with whatever I wanted to. I felt like I deserved to enjoy all the temptations around me. I was entitled, thanks to money and fame, I didn't have far to go to find them. But I was wrong. I was foolish. And this brought shame to myself. You see, Tiger Woods, because of his choices, showed that his heart was hard. That same sinful hard shell keeps the joy and the love of God from entering our hearts and yet, God knows everything about you. We don't have to hide the fact. In First Chronicles, it says that the Lord searches every heart. He knows exactly who you are. He knows what you're feeling, what you're thinking. He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
And yet the amazing thing about God is that one of the attributes of God is that of mercy. And mercy is when someone gives you not what you deserve, but gives you what you don't deserve. And that's what God did for the children of Israel. He loved them. He continued to make them his covenant people. And he continued till finally they're being led into the promised land that, that they so waited for. And Moses says, as a result, you've got life. Folks, we too have hardened hearts. And that's why along with King David, remember when he had sinned with Bathsheba and he said, he said Lord, renew in me a, a right spirit. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And sure enough, God answers that prayer. And he answered it for you and me in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus came, to give us life as a result of a new heart, to render our hearts. You know, it's always, Acts chapter 2 is Pentecost, the birthday of the church. And that's when the Holy Spirit worked mightily through Peter as he proclaimed the gospel. He talked about Jesus and how he died for the sins of the world and how he rose again on the third day. And then it says the Holy Spirit worked. And what, happened, what was the result? It says the people were cut to their hearts. Friends, that's what happens when God touches you. He opens up, he circumcises your heart. He opens you up to his grace and his love so that you have life and so that then you can follow him and love him and serve him. So that you don't have to live the life of a sinker. Instead, by God's grace, you live above fear. You live above the results of, of, of living in a sinful world that you trust in him. And that you experience life in his name. And you know, that's why Jesus came. Do you remember in John chapter 10, one time Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That we by God's grace, are enjoying life. And in the, in the Hebrew Old Testament, life is more than just a heartbeat or breathing. Life encompasses all the good things, all the blessings of life. It means physical health. It means a long life. It means having meaningful relationships. It means that every day is a special blessing from God. Well, the Lord saw and knew the hearts of the Israelites. He sees our hearts. And by his grace, we... He circumcises our hearts so that we are open to his life. You know, the word life or live in this final message of Moses to the Israelites, he speaks it eight different times. So if you had to choose one word as the key for this final message, it is life. Life, good health, daily blessings, happiness, fruitfulness, through Jesus who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Interesting though, another word that is used seven times in this section of scripture is the word today or this day. I find that so many Christians put off thinking that they are blessed, that they're going to have a wonderful life. Well, that's why we're saving. That's why we're hoping to go here. That's why I'm working so hard for the race. Someday, someday we'll have real and fun life. Well, friend, you don't have to wait. Here, Moses reminds the people of God that that happens today. It's not just when you get to the promised land. It is this day. This is the day the Lord has made. Today we will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day to give thanks and to look around at all the blessings that God has given to you. 
This is the day to understand how much God loves you and the eternal plan that he has for you, not just today, but your home that he's got prepared for you in heaven. Today, this is the day. I I visited with one of our disciples who has stage four cancer, just met someone today also. And as I was visiting with him and his wife, they said, you know, Pastor, we always were thinking about what would happen in the future. Would we have enough money? You know, is our family going to make it okay? What's going to happen in the future? And we were always thinking about what was going to happen tomorrow. And now because of this cancer, we understand that God gives us today. Today. And if anything else, if you go away with anything else from today, remember that this is the day for you to rejoice and enjoy the life that God has given you, that you're floating above your circumstances because of God's grace in Jesus Christ. Well, you say, well, how does that happen? How can we experience the fullness of that life that God gives to us? Moses mentions three things for us to ponder. First of all, he says that real life in God means that you love the Lord your God. He's telling the children of Israel, before you go into the promised land, renew your love. Renew your first love. Who's number one in your life? I believe Jesus echoes the same kind of thing in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. In the context of worrying, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God. That's the same as loving God with all your heart. Put him first. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things that are so important in life. Guess what? They'll fall into place too. Love the Lord your God. Love him with all your heart, your soul, your mind. Jesus says that's the first and greatest commandment. And when you put Jesus first, sure enough, we find that life is real. I I always enjoy what what David wrote in Psalm 27 as he faced uh, tremendous odds and tremendous enemy. He says in Psalm 27, 27, for in the day of trouble, he will protect me. And he will lift up my head, not above the murky waters, but on a rock, so that my head is exalted above my problems and my enemies around me. And sure enough, when you put God first in your life, and you spend time with him, and you talk to him in prayer, you find that everything else falls into place. And that's what God promises us. The second thing that uh, we, we find in our text here is that not only do we, do we love the Lord, but we walk in his ways. Or secondly, it's listed as to listen to his voice. I believe the two are about the same. When we listen to the voice of our God, we, we tend to walk in his ways. That's what happens when you listen to your parents. You walk in what they say to do. Jesus says in John 10, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. When we listen to the voice of Jesus through his word, when again we spend time with him in Bible study and in prayer, when we are are dedicated to, to worship like we are today, we listen to his voice and we follow him. And the third thing that, uh, that Moses says to the children of God, he says, keep his commands, decrees, and laws and hold fast to him. The word that is used here in Greek to hold fast to God and his ways and his statutes and his laws is not a one-time event. It's a continuing case. It's something that we continue to do every day. We hold fast to the truth of God's love for us in Jesus. 
And we discern his will through his word so that we follow his decrees and his ways. And we find that that real life becomes ours. Well, in the end, God wants us to have the best life possible. And Moses summarizes all that he said in this one phrase. He says, you've got two choices. You can either choose life or you can choose death. You can either be a sinker, living in the muck and the mire of sin in our world, or you can be a bobber. You can be above the fray, above worry and fear, so that you trust in God as your Lord. This is what he says. He says, this day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. Choose this day, life or death. It's interesting that the Hebrew word for choose here is the only time that that word is used in reference to God's people making a choice. Every other time in the Old Testament, the word is used for God choosing us. And it's as if Moses is saying, since God has already chosen you, since he has made you his own, now you can respond by choosing to live for him. You can respond by choosing to receive the life that is given to you. Friends, God has chosen you. He's adopted you in your baptism. He said, fear not, for I've redeemed you. I've called you by name, and you belong to me. And so we choose to trust him and follow him. And when we think about the choices that we make, we too choose life every time. Choose life. It was in 1985 that Pam and Bob Tebow were a missionary couple in the Philippines. And they were serving, sharing the gospel when Pam became very ill as a result of amoebic dysentery. And she became so sick that she went into a temporary coma. She received strong drugs, especially antibiotics, to combat the infection. At the time, she was pregnant. And it was feared that the baby within her was deprived of oxygen as a result of the strong drugs and other life-giving elements. In fact, one doctor called the baby inside of her a tumor that needed to be removed. And so they urged her to terminate the pregnancy so that Pam's life would not be at risk. Well, the story is well celebrated how Pam and Bob did not terminate their pregnancy. They decided to trust the God of life. And she went on to deliver a healthy son whom they named Timmy. We know him as Tim Tebow, Heisman Trophy winner, two-time winner of the national championship with the Florida Gators, and then recently a, a, a professional baseball player and football player. Choose life. Life in all of its fullness. Life with all of its blessings as a result of what God has done in our hearts. He has opened wide. He has circumcised our hearts. And he's come into our hearts with his love in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Who loves us the way that we are. But changes us. Doesn't leave us there. And opens us up to God's grace so that we can indeed love him with all of our hearts. So that we can choose to follow him and serve him. And that we can hold on to him and his promises. Choose. Well, I don't know about you, but 
I'm going to choose to be above the fray. I'm going to choose by God's grace to follow him and serve him. May God enable all of us to know his love and to trust in him. Amen? Amen.